Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm not in the greatest of moods. I just received one of those like nasty ass emails that people feel it's okay to write to a stranger because I guess you saw them on television and somehow being on a screen means you don't have feelings. I don't know who told y'all that. It's not accurate. But welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Much, much, much going on this week, which I feel like I say every week, but I feel like there's always a bunch of shit going on. This week's shit going on to start. Actually, it's last week's technically because it happened on Friday. But J-Lo and A-Rod allegedly broke up, but then are not broken up. Allegedly, A-Rod had emotionally cheated. There's a, there's a woman named Madison LaCroix, and she is the star of Southern Charm. She said back in January that she had been FaceTiming with A-Rod, but they'd never met, so there was no physical cheating. Sources? Those sources. Sources told Page Six that this scandal with this Bravo star was the reason that the couple broke up. The source said there were already problems, but Jennifer was really embarrassed by it. I mean, yeah. And a friend of the Bravo star said there was no more story because Rodriguez and the Bravo chick signed an NDA. So everyone and their mother was reporting that the couple had broken up. And then J-Lo and A-Rod came out and was like, nope, we're still together. We are still together. TMZ caught up with A-Rod in Miami this morning, Monday. A photographer asked him if he was still single, and A-Rod answered with a definitive no. He also told TMZ on Saturday morning, we are working through some things. Now, the TMZ source, it may or may not be the same source as page six. It said Friday was, quote, a bad day for the couple. It seems they had some blowout fight. It's unclear if one or the other said the relationship was over in the heat of of the moment. But if they did, they seemed to be taking it back and working it out. The source, the TMZ source, also said that their argument was not about a third party. Hmm. TMZ asked the question that I also have, is the engagement still on? This is none of my business, by the way. This is just me being curious. They owe me nothing. They owe you nothing. I hope they can work it out. I thought they were a cute couple, which is a really stupid reason, admittedly, to want a couple to be together. You never know what's going on in folks' relationships just because they look cute in pictures or they have matching energy on paper means absolutely fucking nothing. Plenty of folks who look great on Instagram, miserable in real life. The goal is to be happy on social media and everywhere else. I hope these folks can work things out and find some joy. And if they cannot find any joy, then it's best that they go their separate ways and find joy where they can find it. I will never wish for two people to be together to satisfy onlookers. I will never wish for two people to be miserable and be together either. That's no way to live, especially not to please a bunch of strangers. They'll both be okay. This breakup will not leave anyone destitute or in shambles, at least not financially. J-Lo said during quarantine that they'd been visiting a therapist, so we know that they believe in professional help. If this doesn't work, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. A little heartbroken, 
but all right nonetheless. So I wish them whatever is best for them. Could be sound and grown and responsible like a mature adult today. I certainly don't feel like one. I'm not in the greatest mood. What I really want to do right now is let loose with like a Kurt Franklin level of expletives. Because child, folks been trying it. Quote and unquote successful people using their platforms to complain about the pitfalls of success never goes over well. So I'm going to refrain from doing it. But shit, if you only knew. We need to talk about the Grammys. Or do we want to talk about Sharon Osbourne? Let's talk about the Grammys first. The Grammys were last night. They were very good. Very black. Congratulations to Beyonce. She did not perform at the Grammys. She was asked to. She declined, which, which, you know, she has her reasons. But I always live for a good Beyonce performance. But last night, she broke the record for the most number of Grammys, male or female. Trevor Noah told her she had tied. And the look on her face, it was like she had no idea. And I was like, yeah. If I was at 26 and I knew 27 would tie me for number one, I think that's a number I would be aware of in my head. But Beyonce's got a lot going on. It's a global pandemic. She has three children. Perhaps it slipped her mind. But Trevor Noah told her, and he was like, yo, you tied for the most number of Grammys by anyone. And the look on her face, like her eyes just bugged out. Like she just, like, really? Like this was new news. And then she won another Grammy which pushed her over the top, the most Grammys for anyone, male or female. Super, super proud of her. I'm also happy for Meg the Stallion. She received three Grammys last night. The first one, it wasn't on camera. I don't know how they celebrate, if even they do, when they announce awards that are not given on camera. If somebody just stops by and says, hey, you know you got a Grammy and just like drops the award off in your lap. I don't know. But... There was an on-camera win for Meg. She won Best New Artist. But she's sitting in the audience. Lizzo is presenting. Lizzo calls her name. And Meg just looks stuck. She could not fathom what was happening. Like a whole Grammy? A whole Grammy? I just burst into tears. I'm so happy for her. She's had a hard year. A beef with her label, getting shot in the foot, the recovery, the online backlash from it. And then, you know, she is soared. So good for darling Meg. I was very, very happy for niece. I'm 41. 25 and under, our niece now. I've accepted it. Who else did good last night? Blue. Blue received her first Grammy. The first of many, I'm sure. Blue is nine. Blue received a Grammy for the video Brown Skin Girl. So congratulations to Baby Blue, who is not really Baby Blue anymore. I'm like, I remember when your mother announced your pending arrival on stage at the MTV Awards. And now you are a whole nine, half your mother's height with braces and hair halfway down your back. It's a beautiful little girl, Baby Blue. I'm sorry, she's always going to be Baby Blue to me. She could be 30 years old. She could be Baby Blue. Such a little cutie. People talked about that child so bad from the beginning. Nas got his first Grammy last night, which shocked me. You could not have told me that Nas did not have a Grammy. If I was on one of those game shows and there was a question about the number of Grammys that Nas had, I would have lost. You could not have told me that Nas didn't have a Grammy. And now, obviously, I don't remember an acceptance speech from Nas's Grammy because it never happened. But the man made Illmatic and doesn't have a Grammy. Even if he didn't get one for Illmatic, you didn't give him a makeup Grammy for any of the other albums. Nas and Lauryn Hill didn't get a Grammy? That's shocking to me. 
I really thought Nas had a Grammy. But he got his first Grammy last night for the album that came out last year that I can't even tell you the name of. I never listened to it. I vaguely remember an album dropping. But again, it was the middle of a global pandemic and an election year with a crazed president. Forgive me if I overlook some things. But no, no Grammy for Nas until last night. So congratulations to Nasir and his Grammy. The Grammys were really good. It was a country black girl, Mickey Guyton. Never heard of her in my life. Now there's tons of black people that sing country. I just, I'm not really into country music. Did black people invent country too? I feel like we invented everything else. And I know there are black country singers. Like in my head, I'm thinking of like Aaron Neville. I'm sure there's 50 million other ones. But I was like, oh, a black woman singing country. And she's the first black woman to be nominated. I don't think she won. But she's the first black woman to be nominated for Best Country Solo Performance. So good for her. And she sang a song called Black Like Me. But at that point, I was putting clothes in the laundry. Oh, wow. How am I not talking about WAP? Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion performed WAP on CBS, on network television. The same CBS that aired that Super Bowl performance for Justin Timberlake snatched off a piece of Janet Jackson's clothing and left her bare breast exposed for less than one second and a whole scandal erupted. Justin made his career off of that, and Janet Jackson nearly lost her career over that. But on that same network, nearly 20 years later, I watched two gorgeous and nearly half-dressed women damn near scissor each other in bodysuits on national television. I was like, yo, the culture has shifted. Sort of. The culture has shifted enough that CBS would allow that song to be performed because it's a... It's a wonderfully filthy song, but that they would let that song be performed, even a censored version, and let that performance be aired? I was like, holy shit, we've come a long way, baby. Cardi and Meg are like humping each other on a gigantic bed, and then Cardi proceeds to, she didn't work the pole. I thought she was going to do more with the pole. She didn't. It was just sort of there, but the pole was the heel of a acrylic stiletto better known as a stripper heel a a stripper heel with a big black foot in it with extended toenails i was like yo this is wild i can't believe this is on tv and then when i was watching it i was like oh these middle america white folks these conservative southern white folks about to lose their goddamn minds it brought me so much joy pushing their buttons brings me utter joy that i knew they were going to explode and they did not disappoint oh my god the commentary but i was like this is wild they letting them perform this on national television i remember when little kim it wasn't even the cover of hardcore the cover of hardcore she had her ass in the air The most memorable image of Little Kim, that iconic image of her squatting with her legs spread, was not the cover of her album. That image was inside art of the CD packaging. But that image has so often been referred to as like so offensive. It's caused so much concern and panic about the state of women, the state of hip hop, black women's sexuality. Like it's the image that's launched like a million think pieces. And last night I watched Cardi and Meg do that little Kim squat, thrusting their vaginas right into the network cameras. 
like 20 times and then hump each other on the bed. <laughs> it was great. Um, it was a lot. And I'm not mad at it. I don't want it censored. I'm glad they aired it. I'm glad that they pushed the boundaries. Also, and we talked about this last week, the song has what, like 5 million streams, 5 million downloads within what, like five months? It's well on its way to becoming a diamond single for both Meg and Cardi. It will hit that before the end of the year, no doubt, aided by the performance at the Grammys last night. Good for them. Like, men have had women as background dancers shaking their ass, bending over their ass, simulating oral sex, all sorts of other positions. And objectifying women seems to be great. But women taking control of their sexuality, people just, oh, clutch the pearls. Clutch all the pearls. Maybe stick some pearls up there and pull them out. It's a thing. I saw it at the store where I buy my toys. Maybe if more people had pearls in their lives, they wouldn't be so damn uptight. Meh. But that was a good Grammys. Because sometimes I'm watching, I'm like, who are these people? And there were some people that I was like, I've never heard of you. And you got a whole Grammy performance? There were some long-haired, bland-looking white women. I was like, I don't know you. Who are you? I really don't want to talk about our next topic, but we must. It's news. It's a big story. And it's an ongoing story. Last week, Sharon Osbourne, who was married to a man who bit the head off a bat on video and has a daughter who once went on The View and in discussing the problem with Trump (laughs) trying to kick the Latinos out the country was like, This is not funny. I'm laughing at the ignorance of it. She said, but who will clean the hotel bathrooms? Her concern for America not having Latinas was the maids. (laughs) She wasn't concerned about cultural contributions. She wasn't concerned about innovations. She wasn't even concerned about culinary skills, dancing, avocados, Dominican blowouts. None of that. Who will clean the bathrooms? That's the daughter of Sharon Osbourne. So Sharon Osbourne, last week on the talk, or I think she's the only original host of the show. It's been on for almost a decade. I don't, I've never watched an episode of the talk. One of my friends is on it and I still haven't watched it. So where do I want to enter this story? Megan, Duchess Megan and Prince Harry sit for this Oprah interview. Megan says, I was feeling suicidal while I was in the palace and no one wanted to help me. I told people that I was on the brink and no one helped me. The morning after the interview, Piers Morgan goes on Good Morning Britain and he says he doesn't believe a word that Megan said. He dismisses her story about her compromised mental health. After that, Piers Morgan is read for filth by the weatherman on his show. He is so embarrassed and upset by the most accurate with receipts read that he has received, that he walks off set and quits the show. The topic comes up on the talk later in the week. Sharon Osbourne, who is British, is friends with Piers Morgan. And in a conversation about Meghan and Harry and Piers Morgan's reaction on his show and quitting, which I actually think he was fired, but okay, But the conversation comes up on the talk and Sharon Osbourne's reaction, she's completely unhinged. She loses it. 
So she says, Piers Morgan is my friend and she defends him. And Cheryl Underwood says, okay, while you're standing by your friend, and I'm reading this as a quote, it appears that you are giving validation or safe haven to something that he has uttered that is racist. Cheryl Underwood, one of the two black people on the stage, she goes further to explain to Sharon. She says, he doesn't want to understand how Megan was treated was racism. It's that white entitlement privilege that makes it racist upon itself. So if you're saying, and she's talking to Sharon, I stand with you. How do you address people who say then you are standing with racism? And she clarifies, I'm not saying you are. Elaine pipes in, you know, (laughs) this would be a good time to stand up for anti-racism. Sharon doesn't take the bait. Elaine continues, when we give passes or give space to people who are saying damaging, harmful things, what we're kind of doing is permitting it. And I think that's what people are reacting to. Sharon fucking loses it. She says, so if I like peers and he's seen as a racist, I'm racist. Is that what you're saying? She says, I feel like I'm about to be put in the electric chair because I have a friend who many people think is racist. So that makes me a racist. And the hysteria that I'm mocking is like on a level four compared to her level 10. At some point in this exchange, she starts screaming at Cheryl Underwood. At one point, she says, don't try and cry because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. You need to go watch this clip because me reading it to you, as many times as I've seen it in my lifetime, up close and personal, I can't properly do that thing that white women do when they give full tears trying to deflect from some fucked up shit they've said or done and finally been called on. Because that's what all this hysteria from Sharon was. She got called on. Your boy said some racist shit. Now you sitting up here and instead of being like, yeah, you know, he is a friend of mine, but that's some fucked up things that he said. Because she could have said that or, you know, the non-profane version of it. But instead, in the midst of a conversation about a man being racist, she just decided to give him a blank pass and support him. Sidebar, as a woman, stop caping for these men. But Sharon Osbourne, we haven't even gotten to the repercussions of this whole exchange yet because the show is now on hiatus because of this. You jumped out here caping for Piers Morgan. Now your ass is in the hot seat, your co-workers are on your ass, your network is on your ass, and your show is on hiatus. For what? Defending a motherfucker who did some indefensible shit. Why? Why did you do that? Was it worth it? Said this before, and apparently I'm going to have to say it 50 million times. Never underestimate the lengths that racist people will go to to defend white supremacy. White supremacy was so important to this woman that she had a fucking meltdown on national TV. Her job is in jeopardy and her show is on hiatus. Same thing with Piers Morgan. So goddamn desperate to uphold white supremacy to his own demise. You sat on your show. Good Morning Britain is the equivalent of Good Morning America. That's a good chat in pounds. But your happy ass wanted to get on TV 
because you mad this black woman that you were interested in dissed the fuck out of you. You've been dragging her for years. You dragged her again. Then got embarrassed on national TV. 40,000 people in a day called for your head. Now you ain't got no job. You telling people you quit. Man, that network fired you. Stop it. Now Sharon Osbourne, I'm I'm protecting my friend. Shit. I protect you on text. Now I've had friends that done dumb shit. I've come on here and talked about some of my friends, my very public friends who have done dumb shit and be like, yeah, you know, we friends, but that's some dumb shit. You be trying to get up here and stand by stupid, show your loyalty. Now your goddamn show is on hiatus and your job is in jeopardy, ma'am. Just dumb shit. But the worst part about the whole exchange, I mean, Sharon did Sharon. Every black person has seen a white person, especially a white woman. Do that full tears. You're attacking me. I'm scared. All that shit. It's like white women's favorite thing to do to deflect. That Miss Ann shit, that Miss Millie shit from Color Purple. Remember Miss Millie? She got her locked up, then had the woman working for her and kept her away from her family for months. Thought she was doing something benevolent by taking Miss Sophia to the house. Miss Sophia saw her family for all of one minute and 30 seconds that Christmas because of Miss Millie and her shit. That's the shit that Sharon was on, on the talk. But what really hurt my heart about the whole thing, she was speaking so far down to Cheryl Underwood at the point where she told her, don't you try to cry because I deserve to cry as if her feelings were more important than Cheryl's, even though she was the one screaming and yelling at Cheryl. Cheryl should have been able to meet fire with fire. Black women can't do that. Cheryl asked her in a very level voice, do you feel like defending this man who people are calling racist? Like, you know, do you think that's the best approach? And then Sharon flips the whole fuck out. If Cheryl had met Sharon with the same level of intensity, she would have been saying Cheryl attacked me. I felt unsafe. I was in fear of my life. But she sat up there and talked to Cheryl like so disrespectfully, so rudely, so out of order. And Cheryl had to pick her words and keep her composure, although she's being yelled at. And watch her body language and watch her tone to respond to Sharon. And she had to add it. And, I, and I, you know, these are my thoughts. And, and I'm speaking to you because I consider you a friend. That's that jump through hoop shit black folks who work around white people, who be around white people, constantly have to do. Because if you really spoke your mind how you felt it, white people would just feel attacked all day, every day. If you kept the bass in your voice and you spoke to them like, bitch, have you lost your fucking mind? To somebody who's actually losing their fucking mind? She attacked. I was scared for my life. Black folks been lynched over less. You like to think it can't happen now, but crazy shit happens every day. I felt so bad for Cheryl in that moment. And now she's working the um, the press circuit, talking about the situation. And, you know, she's doing that whole gracious black woman thing. As a PR perspective, she's doing it the right way. She's the gracious, understanding, benevolent black woman who, who keeps her cool. She's bending over backwards not to look like an angry black woman, not to look abrasive, not to look confrontational. All of the normal fucking regular reactions that normal people would have in an incident like that, she's running around pretending that she didn't feel any of those things, that she didn't have any negative thoughts, that, you know, this is my friend, and she's running around being good black. And I'm not mad at her. I hate that she has to do it to make sure her job is secure, to make sure she's not stereotyped as an angry black woman. She's got to bend over backwards. It's so sweet, so kind, so, so understanding, so friendly. 
So God fearing, God blessed me with this opportunity. That's literally a quote from, from the interview she's been doing. She says the same thing over and over. God blessed me with this opportunity to showcase. I hate that that's required of us. Black people, especially black women, should allow to be angry when someone's screaming at them. They should be allowed to scream back and defend themselves if that's what they feel is necessary. We're going to talk about Kirk Franklin in a minute. And one of the things we're going to talk about is like sometimes you do need to curse a motherfucker out. Because sometimes you could give your sweet language, you could give your life coach language, you could give your years of therapy tools and language. But if you're talking to somebody like a Sharon Osbourne, or even your own damn child, or even your own damn parent who ain't trying to hear your years of therapy language, ain't got no interest in it, and don't understand it. Sometimes you got to speak to folks in the language that they understand. Cheryl Underwood sat there and tried to talk to Sharon Osbourne like Sharon Osbourne has since. She has none. And she still sat there and talked over her, talked down to her, berated her, embarrassed herself and Cheryl on national television. Cheryl had to sit there and take that white woman's shit just to keep her job and not look like an angry black woman stereotype for even matching her energy. Because if she did, Cheryl Underwood wouldn't have a job today. I feel bad for Cheryl. I feel bad for all the black women who've dealt with that shit, self-included. Because white women in that I'm scared and white women tears, folks react to that shit in a way they never do for black girl tears. Like, suck it up, bitch. White women start crying, I'm scared. You're attacking me. Whole fucking Calvary want to come. It's not right. I want to say it's not fair. Life isn't. But when you see the shit just play out so blatantly like that, and Sharon released a statement apologizing. She says, I've always had good relations with the black community. Have you? We laughed at you and your crazy ass family when they were on that show. But I don't know if we say that you had good relations with us. She said to anyone of color that I offended and or to anyone that feels confused or let down by what I said, I am truly sorry. I panicked, felt blindsided, got defensive, and allowed my fear and horror of being accused of being racist take over. Was it that serious? I panicked. I felt blindsided. I got defensive. Horror. Really? You were sitting in a fucking chair on network television with a, with a room full of camera people in a room full of producers. What were you so goddamn scared of, lady? Notably in her commentary, she didn't apologize to Cheryl or Elaine. To anyone of color that I offended or anyone who feels confused. You know two of those people by name. They're your co-hosts. They sit on the panel with you. Nothing for Cheryl, nothing for Elaine. Maybe you apologize to them privately. I hope that is the case. But seeing as the way, especially that you went in on Cheryl on a national television show that you knew was, was being recorded and was going to air, you owed her a public apology. You do. In other interviews, Cheryl Osborne has blamed the network. She released a statement to Variety. She says, I was blindsided, totally blindsided by the whole situation. In my 11 years, this was the first time I was not involved with the planning of the segment. She said minutes before Wednesday's show began taping, Showrunners asked her if it was okay to be asked about Piers Morgan. She said, sure, they can ask me whatever. She says, I got on there, I say my piece, and Cheryl turns around straight face, looks at me, and is reading from a card with questions. I was just so hurt, caught off guard, and stunned by what I was being asked and not prepared. 
I was honestly in shock. I felt like I was in front of a firing squad. A firing squad? This is up there about as bad as, um, have you seen this clip? I don't even remember where it's from. I saw it online and was just like, yo, white people just never stop white peopling. My God. Let me clarify. Like racist white people just have no bounds. It was a couple of guys who were going to be commentating what I believe was a high school basketball game. And the black players from a visiting school kneeled when the national anthem was played. I believe that's what occurred. The the important part, it was black kids kneeling before a basketball game. And there were these two white guys in the control booth who were going to do commentary for the game. And they're complaining about the kneeling. And one of them goes as far as to call this group of children, girls. He calls them fucking niggers. ER. Like, the fuck is wrong with you? Gets worse. The video goes viral. It's everywhere. Dude comes back and makes a statement. And he was like, you know, there's no excuse for the language that I use, for the things that I said. I'm very sorry. But I would just like everyone to know that I'm diabetic. And sometimes when my sugar gets low, I act out of character and say things that I wouldn't normally say. Just keep that in mind when you're considering the things that I said and also like, you know, the appropriate punishment for them as well. I was like, is, is that what's making people racist now? Your sugar gets low and racism pops out. And I was like, it's not the racism that was already there and you were comfortable You thought no one would hear you. And so you said freely the things that you think. No, no, no. A lack of blood sugar makes you racist. I was like, these motherfuckers will say anything, anything, anything to avoid accountability. Sharon went with the classic, I felt threatened. I felt like I was in front of a firing squad. I panicked. I felt blindsided. I had fear. That's the classic. Remember the woman from Central Park? She, she called the police because a black man asked her to leash her dog. She told the police how scared she was. That's white people's old faithful. I was so scared. So currently the show is on hiatus. It's only for a couple days. Today and tomorrow, I believe. While CBS launches an investigation into the exchange on, between Sharon... Osborne and her co-host last Wednesday. The show is still going to air. They're just going to re-air episodes for the next two days. I would love to see Sharon go. Not that I watch the show anyway, but just on GP. So it's clear you can't like, you know, flip out and berate your co-workers that way. Perhaps standing up for racists on national television has repercussions. That might be helpful. I have a feeling they're not going to get rid of her, though. We'll see. So we need to talk about Kirk Franklin. Over the weekend, Kirk Franklin and his son, his oldest son, 33 years old, got into a heated argument over the phone. It's not clear what the argument was about. The 33-year-old son released about 20 seconds of audio From the argument, I don't know how much more he recorded, but he only released the part where his father, gospel legend, Kirk Franklin, 
was flipping the fuck out. He went off. I will break your neck, nigga. Don't you ever disrespect me. Franklin Swiftly, I would say within maybe five, six hours of the audio being released, but he swiftly apologized in a one-minute Instagram video. He said that, uh, you know, about what you expect. You know, he, uh, he said some things that he regrets. He said that he and his family have had ongoing difficulty with his son, that they've been in therapy for quite some time. He did not say what the argument was about, which I'm glad he didn't because it's really none of our business. This audio never should have been released. But he also said that, uh, that obviously parts of the conversation were cut off and that the audio doesn't include the part where he called the family therapist that they've been working with regularly to try to bring resolution to the matter. He said that part wasn't included. Some folks, have raped Kirk Franklin over the coals, over this, this conflict that was made public. They said no one should talk to their child that way and that Kirk Franklin is a verbal abuser. He's emotionally abusive to his son. I do not feel that way. You hear me out because I, I, I do believe in my friend Mike Muse's favorite word, there's a bit of nuance to this situation. Kirk Franklin was dead ass wrong for talking to his kid that way. You should absolutely not speak to your child or anyone else in those terms with that level of rage. It is not healthy. It is unhealthy. State that flatly and upfront. And, not but, I don't want to minimize the importance of anything that I just said. It is bad. It is wrong. It is unhealthy. You should not do it. And, sometimes, mofos, including people that you made and including people that made you, including people that you love very, very much, especially them, can take you to places that you might not have even known you were capable of going to. It is unhealthy. It is bad. You should not do it. It is wrong. And yet, and yet, it happens. And it does not make you a violent person. It does not make you an abuser. It does not make you a bad person. It means you are a human person who lost control. Kirk Franklin, again, should not have spoken to his son that way. I have a really hard time judging this man as an abuser or making grand assumptions about his family or his household or his demeanor or his disposition. I think it would be very hypocritical of me to get on my high horse and be like, I can't believe he did that because I'm not really a person who goes off. You've seen my buttons pushed on national television. I don't hop over tables and attack people. I don't pick up bottles and throw them. I don't fight. That's not really my thing. I get up and walk out on you in a minute. Even if I'm the driver, I will get up and leave and get in my car. How you get home, that's some shit you should have thought about before you started talking wild to me. I'm good for a walkout. I do that on anybody at any time, over anything. I'm not a big flip out person, but I have before. And I would have told you at one point in my life, that's really not me. I'm very even. I'm very like mellow until I got tested the right way at the right time by the right person. And the reaction was wrong as fuck. And it's happened a couple times. 
but like swung on somebody with the strength of my ancestors, did that. Driving a car 75 miles per hour, slamming on the brakes. I made sure he had a seatbelt on before I did it. I wasn't trying to kill him. I was trying to get him to shut the fuck up. I told him to stop like no less than eight times. I stopped drinking for three years because two people drinking and having arguments all the goddamn time, it was escalating to a place I didn't want it to go. It got ugly. I was running out my house barefoot in the middle of Brooklyn, in the middle of the night, shit like that. And that shit, that was, I'm trying to reason. I'm trying to use the tools that I've learned in therapy. They have no effect on you whatsoever. All you understand is loud talking and motherfuckers. All the other shit, I sound weak and stupid to you, talking a language you don't even understand. Sometimes you have to meet people where they are and speak to them in a language that they understand. That's unhealthy. It's not good. It's wrong. You should do better. You do need therapy. And yet and still, when talking to crazy motherfuckers, you need to be effective. Or you can really just stop talking to them. Children and parents included. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. But I will also say to the point that you get so mad at somebody that you're absolutely fucking losing it on them. You might need a breather. You might need to take some steps back. Kirk Franklin's son. A lot of people have talked about like, like his father called him a bitch ass nigga. And no parent should ever speak that way to a child. They shouldn't. And also I ask, did he lie though? A 33-year-old man recorded an argument with his own father and put that shit on the internet. Is that not like the definition of bitch-assness? Who does that? It's bad enough when folks be like leaking emails or text messages with friends or friends they falling out with or people they had sex with because you ain't got to be friends to fuck. But like your father? You secretly recorded your father and put that shit on the internet? He shouldn't have called him a bitch-ass nigga. He acted like a bitch-ass nigga. But sir, like, look, you're not in your father's house anymore. I know it's your father. I know that everyone, even the hardest mofos among us, desire parental approval. It's normal. It's natural. It's your creator. It makes sense. I get it. If you were in a situation where you're like, yo, my parent is toxic, then you need to remove yourself from this situation. I'm not saying it's easy. Protecting your sanity rarely is. But one thing I do know about sanity, once you lose your sanity, it is very hard to get back. Protect your peace. You're giving out this appearance to the world that they talk to you like shit, that they treat you like shit. You're grown. Stop dealing with them. They wrong for the way they speak to you. You got no self-esteem to keep engaging with somebody, parent or not, that treats you like shit. Your parent talking to you crazy? Stop talking to your parent. They family. They blood. Uh Uh-huh. I hear you. Stop talking to them. I'm glad there's a therapist involved in this situation because Lord knows they need it. They need it more than ever. Now that they got the public involved in it, airing your disagreement, especially with family, even friends, but family especially, in public will never solve the issue. In this situation, the son put this audio on the internet. Many, many responses, many, many, I would say overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, even among the hardcore Christians, like 80% of people would like, you recorded your father or it happens. It's not good that it happened. It's not okay that it happened, but it happened. 
But you think we're going to stop listening to silver and gold and melodies from heaven over this? This family matter? Get this off the goddamn internet. Get this business back in-house and handle it as a family. We don't need to be involved in this. Look, some parents are absolute trash. And we can have a national discussion about that, or at least a black community discussion about it. I think it's a worthy conversation. We should have it, definitely. But to make Kirk Franklin the face of it, based off a 20-second audio clip, with no context? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Some parents absolutely are toxic. I can't say that Kirk Franklin is one of them, not based on the information available. I don't know about y'all's families. I saw so much commentary, and I think most people were kind of level-headed about it and be like, obviously, this is not good. I don't think I saw anybody who was just like, you know, yes, this is the appropriate way to talk to your child. People were like, you know, these things happen. Sometimes children, adult children especially, get all the way out of control and need to be put back in their place. And sometimes the only language they understand, like I said, is niggas and motherfuckers. It's not good, but I saw a lot of people acting like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Look, great for your family. And I, and I don't mean that with any sarcasm or any malice. Legit. If you don't have any family members that are toxic, if you've never had a toxic conversation or an interaction with one of your relatives, especially, bless you. I genuinely hope that you never do. If you've never had to flip on anyone, especially someone that you love, good for you. No malice, no sarcasm. Good for you. It doesn't feel good. Not for either person in the exchange. It's very rare, especially when you're talking about two adults where one person is just flipping the fuck out and the other person just standing there taking it. In the 20 second audio that we're discussing, that wasn't the case. Two grown men cursing at each other. I break my foot in your ass. Fuck you. Very unhealthy. It's not ideal. Sometimes it happens. But this crucifixion of Kirk Franklin some of y'all are on, let that shit go. That's a waste of your time. That ain't happening. Anybody canceling Kirk Franklin, y'all. Stop it. I do hope they get some help, though. More help. So my prayers are with the Franklins. I hope they can uh, get it together and get it off the Internet. I don't want to see nothing else from them on the Internet. Kirk can make his music. and We can talk about some good things with the family, but I don't want to see no mess like this on the Internet. Those our public opinions ain't solving shit. It's making it worse. So that's that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That is the episode for this week. We'll talk again on Friday. If you haven't picked up your Ratchet and Respectable merch, there is some on the website, DemetriaLLucas.com. And there's also Don't Waste Your Pretty merch available as well. We still have cups. We still have signed books. I've signed a lot of books this round. I'm going to end the personal signings at the end of the month. So if you would like a personally signed copy of the second edition, of Don't Waste Your Pretty. That is available on the site along with the mugs. And then we still have hoodies, especially in the larger sizes, XL to 4X at this point. The small, mediums, and larges are gone. There may be another drop though. Maybe this Friday. Follow me online at Demetria L. Lucas if you want a hoodie in a small, medium, or large. Okay, I think that's everything. Oh, we didn't talk about Trey Songs. He's trending again. Personally, I think the shit is gross, but you know, he and the women he's engaging with, I guess that's the right way to say it, are grown and consenting adults. So carry the fuck on, Trey Songs. And drop some new music. Like he's doing all these antics. We'll talk about it Friday. We'll talk about it Friday. Okay. That's not everything. 
but bye anyway.